Welcome back, Link Up Podcast. We're here with Rob White and Raul. Hey, hey. Hey, Rob, do you mind telling us about yourself? Uh, yeah, definitely, man. Um, of course, I'm Rob White. You know, I'm a downtowner, and um, I definitely appreciate this opportunity that you guys giving me to, like, um, speak to your, I guess, listening base. Um, I've been downtown around 17 years, um, former reserve, um, um, reserve sheriff's deputy, Work, um, I worked for the school system for about seven years as a school uh, school resource officer, uh, FTO. FTO the last two years training other officers. Um, got a background in uh, computer engineering, um, A-plus certified service technician, went through Cisco courses and mm-hmm. went through um, Microsoft courses. But um, right now I'm a Republican politician, <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How did you decide to jump that course? Well, um, one of the things that I was looking at is the crime in the the city. Yeah. And um, I, I just noticed that there's a few things that hadn't really been getting addressed. So I kind of reached out to inquire about some of them. And, you know, based off the responses I got, you know, I really didn't I really didn't get any leads toward anything that was solid that could actually help me or guide me in a direction to, you know, help with some of the issues that were going on in the community. So it's kind of like, I was like, maybe I should kind of step up and see if I can, you know, intervene, maybe run for office in a district to see if I can at least encourage some change Mm -hmm. or get elected and change things myself. Yeah. What, um, what is the district you're running for? Uh, District 86. Can you tell us what that is? Because, you know, to me, that just sounds, I don't know what that is. So District 86 is state representative or it's a house district, which is on a state level. Um, It's um, your legislation, um, your state, it's it's just, it's a state legislation house district. Okay. Basically, basically, um, it starts around Diamond Estates right inside a state line road. You can uh, go right up the river line, Westwood, um, Mitchell, like the Walker Home area, the Riverside Drive area. Once you come up to downtown, um, it's all of down downtown on the left side of Danny Thomas going toward the river. If you're headed toward Millington, oh, okay, okay, yeah, and it's, it's, it's really good. You got some areas in your um, district that have just been neglected for decades and decades and decades. Yes. Like what? I mean, you just said Westwood, and the only reason I remember what Westwood is is um, because we had a lady that worked for us that lived in Westwood, and I knew where it was, and we used to drop her off every now and then when our son couldn't pick her up and shit. But like, it just you you coming down off the interstate, you coming off third, and then it just it, it looks like time has uh, stopped in that area. Right. Like not much has not much has happened. So it was just crazy, man. That that's a you, that, are the, all the districts that big though. No, all of the districts are not that big, but District eighty six is a pretty big district because it it travels all the way up the river line, and you know it covers some of Fraser and North Memphis also, and the majority of uh, the city um, of Millington. Oh, okay. So, like, do you live in any of the area in any of that stuff? Well, I, I actually live downtown. In the downtown is in the district. Oh, that's right. You said west of Danny Thomas. That's right. My bad. Um, right. Not east of Danny. Right, right. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, going, I'm, I'm sorry. Depending on where the way you're going. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It would be west of Danny Thomas if you're traveling up toward Millington. Right. Right. How long have you lived downtown? 
uh, going on about 17 years. Nice. So what made you decide that you were going to run for office? Because not you just, you just wake up one day and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Or? Well, it was, it's, it's one of those things that I had been thinking about for a while, and I finally just – you know, said that, you know, this is probably the time to go ahead and get out there and, you know, make a, a stride toward it or whatever, because um, I didn't really have like a lot of help or a mentor. But I said that it, at least if I get out here and start making strides, I can, you know, start building some ground toward, you know, making some change in the future. And, you know, I've been blessed because I've had the opportunity to learn a lot about politics in a short amount of time and learn a lot about the district in a yeah. short amount of time. That's awesome. So is it one of those things where it's like, if somebody else isn't going to do it, why don't I do it? That's, like, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Because if you, if you look at the district, district 86, it has downtown in it, but it's one of the poorest, most violent districts in the United States. Yeah. Because of the other parts of the district. Yeah, if you if you would just if you take out the downtown Memphis part and just the other areas of the district you spoke of, those are all low income. I'm not saying everyone is poor that lives there, but majority of the people are low income, right? Poverty level, right? Definitely. And it's just it's just like how is how are we spending? Well, you know, I don't know how much taxpayer money goes into these projects and stuff, but how are they approving all this money? For like all these hotels and convention center repair and all that stuff. When, if you go what five, maybe three miles, four miles past, if you go like you go down third street towards the casino or something and you hit Westwood and Belmore and all that. How are we not spending money there? Because like I said earlier, time has stopped over that area. Right. Those kids, I mean, you, you go to public school right there, and after that, you know, you're more than likely not going to do shit because yeah, yeah, right. it's not saying they don't want to, but a lot it's, of them don't have. It's nothing there. Yeah, a lot of them don't have the um, the, the, the the support at home because, you know, their parents, their, 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 their parents are the same way their parents were. Like, you know, right. there's not a lot of hope out there, and that's awesome that you're going to try to give these kids hope, and they see you doing it. Well, this guy's running. Well, you know, maybe I can do something like this too. Right, definitely. And one of the, one of the things you have to look at also is that you know we have a lot of career politicians, and we have people to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And right. In, and, in, and in the process of them getting comfortable, you know, they stop providing help. Um, the the current incumbent is a lady by the name of Barbara Cooper. She's ninety one years old. And, what? And, yeah, and, and, I read about her earlier today. Yeah, and. During the last legislation period, um, she didn't go. But in the primary, she beat her opponent with 3,800 votes um, to 1,500 votes. So one of the problems is that people vote blindly and they don't do any research. They don't really respect local elections enough. A, A lot of the reasons that people are upset about the president or other higher ranking positions it has a lot. It's actually your local, your local politicians, your local government are the ones that are making the decisions that really affect you. Right. <clears throat> I was talking about this this yesterday with our friend Kelly and Tony. We were always bullshitting in the kitchen, and we we're like, "Does it really matter who's running the country at, at the top level? Is like the president, whether it's Biden or uh, 
Trump again? Because for me, I'm not high enough on that level or nor will I ever be that the decisions that the president makes are going to affect me. Now, what you said was perfect. The decisions that affect me are what my mayor do and my representatives do. Right. That's what's going to directly affect me. Not right. not stuff that's way, 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 where we don't even know what the fuck they're doing up there, right? Exactly. I mean, so I just don't understand that, that people, you know, none of us are high enough that's going to affect. But, like, most of us, local level is what it's going to do. Right. I don't know, that's great. Definitely. Well, I think the problem is is that people have that mentality that if they don't vote or like the, the like people always say it's the lesser of two evils or whatever they want to say um like they think that their vote doesn't count especially like if you live in Tennessee or whatever. Right. But they don't take in consideration cuz I didn't think about this either. But you don't take in consideration about all the local stuff that you need to be worrying about or, you know, the things that actually do affect your life. And awesome. so it's like the the two year thing that like you need to go vote every two years. Right. Instead of just worrying about the four years. Right. Because your state representative, basically, that's your state legislator. That's yeah. the person that's creating your laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where like it, we're just so fixated on the president. Right. Like no one else and nobody ever thinks about the the smaller levels of the government. Wait, so on the ballot on what is it? November 3rd. Yeah. November, November 3rd. So on the ballot, November 3rd, when you're voting, it's not just for the president. There's no, other stuff on there. Like he'll be on that one. Yeah. So yeah. you, yeah. Okay. So that's what you, okay. See, I didn't, so, I, I thought that was held at a different time. I didn't know that was no, it's on all, the same ballot. Yeah. It's like, on okay. the same ballot. So basically, um, like November 3rd, you'll have like, you know, well, first of all, a lot of people got to realize, you know, it's three branches of government. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your, executive branch with your president, judicial, with your federal judges, and then you have legislative with your uh, Congress, your senators or whatever. So a lot of people don't realize that all these different entities you should vote for. Yeah. And you should really understand their platform and, you know, what direction they're trying to take whatever um, district they're representing Mm -hmm. because it has a direct effect on you. Now, on a on a federal level, it's a little different, but definitely on a state level, yeah, a local level, like a a, bi- a bipartisan like level, um, far as your city mayor, and on a county level, like your county commission, then bipartisan, your city council, and then on a state level, your state representatives and state um, senators or whatever. Mm-hmm. All of these different positions affect your life on a on a in different ways when it comes to like you know. Versus the relationship you would have as far as your life being affected as far as the president. Yeah. You know, on a federal level, you know. Yeah. Big difference. See, I didn't even think about it like that. I'm going to register to vote. You have my vote. I appreciate it. Yes. See, that's the thing, too. I, I never think, thought about it. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think people don't realize also they only see the party, too. I don't know if right. they actually know what the people are representing. Right. So it's like, okay, I see this person's a Democrat. I'm always going to be a Democrat. So that's what I'm going to vote for. Did you right. tell and it's us? It's like you never know that that person might not be doing something to help you out, but you just right. you're just on that team, right? Just they just blindly, you know. I mean, because ultimately, when you look at a democracy or a republic, a democracy is just the majority of the people basically make the decisions with representation. Mm-hmm. A republic is basically almost the same thing, but you add in an executive piece, which is a president or a monarch. Yeah. Now the problem with the Democratic Party and the Republican Party 
because actually a lot of minorities are extremely conservative. Mm-hmm. The problem comes in people separate from parties because they socially connect them to certain behavior and certain events instead of actually looking at the party from the political objective of the party Mm -hmm. or the actual goal of the party. So basically in layman's terms, what I'm saying is that you have a lot of African-Americans. They don't like the Republican party because of social issues with historical issues in the area as far as like the racial issues. But the racial issues are stopping people from actually associating with beliefs that are similar to theirs because Mm -hmm. traditionally, if you look at African-Americans, most African-Americans are extremely conservative. Like you go to church on Sunday. If you don't go to church, mom, not going to let you go out to eat. Yeah. You know, being a conservative is just basically coming from a, I guess a Christian based home, having conservative family values. Yeah. It has nothing to do with race. Yeah. But the party is associated by color. Like, Hey, Democrats are black. Republicans are white. Mm Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah, I think it's because also like you make a good point about the conservative part, like not trying to pigeonhole every single black person, but a lot of black people are very um, against like red gay people. Right. You know, like it's uh, not we're not against gay people, but they're, like the whole gay marriage thing is like an issue for a lot of people. And so traditionally speaking, if you went to the Republican side, that would probably be more aligned with what they think. Instead of the Democratic Party, who is more liberal. Right. So that's what, you know, so it is weird that you're going to be on that team just because, you know, traditionally speaking, your family was in it or, you know, a part of that. Instead of just jumping ship and being like looking at the two sides and seeing what more aligns with your beliefs. Right. Versus just I mean, a lot of a lot of people, they don't really understand politics. Mm -hmm. So what I found is that. You know, the black church has a powerful piece in politics because it's it's kind of like a a piece. Whereas if you communicate on a certain level with the black church, the members are going to follow you. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of Democratic politicians, they have like strong relationships with the black churches. Yeah. But the conflict comes in with some of the teachings because some of the 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 beliefs of the Democratic Party conflict with beliefs of the church. Yeah. This this happens because if you if you just look at the Bible, like just in general, like I know I can't remember the exact scripture, but they said something like God. How dare like, you not? <laughs> remember something to the effect like, you know, the road would be narrow to get to heaven or mm-hmm. live forever on earth. But the wide and spacious road is the bad road or whatever. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at wide and spacious, the word liberal defines open yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at conservative, conservative means that you're living your life a certain way, which is conservative, which is basically, hey, you know, whatever my beliefs are, I'm a Christian or I'm a religious person. I have family and, you know, we just all about the community and our religion and our family. Mm-hmm. That's more conservative. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I It's uh. so have you always been a part of the Republican Party or is this a new thing for you? Well, actually, um, this is actually a new thing for me. Uh huh. Like I. um. Recently, I recently got involved with the Republican Party within like the last year. Mm-hmm. And um, before I, I wasn't a really big person on politics. Yeah. You know, I tried different angles to, you know, maybe try to help in the community. 
So once I realized that the best way to help is to maybe run for office, to put myself in position to try to change some legislation is that is directly affecting the community. Um, this is when I came in and actually, you know, ran for office because I actually I actually thought about running as a Democrat in the beginning, but it didn't work out. OK, you know. Yeah, because I saw like I, that lady's been there, what, 24 years now. Yeah. And, and what has she done in recent years to make any changes? Nothing I know of. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think she's. So it's just, she's just kind of just uh, grandfathered in, it seems. Like that, she's yeah. always just going to win because. Well, because people don't vote. Yeah. I mean, it's like she has a small group of people that vote every election, like older, 65 and older people that are like retired police officers, mm-hmm. firefighters, school teachers. You know, it's like a lot of older women that vote for her every term. And, you know, she wins every time because she just has a, she has a solid block of voters. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's not, a, I mean, and, and I'm not, not saying that she hadn't done anything, but I mean, she hasn't made any major changes. Yeah. In a long time. In yeah. A long time. I, I did read one thing, I guess she did, uh, like, like she blocked something where they were trying to find people. If you didn't have like, like if you got pulled over for a ticket or pulled over for not having a driver's license or something, they're trying to charge like a hundred dollar fine or something. She right. blocked that, but I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't, I guess what my whole thing is what exactly is the duties of the position you're running for? Well, the thing is this right here. When you're in a position of as a state legislator, you have to think about you have a lot of power because if you're able to translate that into a bill and it gets passed, you can change a lot of, you know, you can change a lot of constituents' life. Yeah. I mean, if you look at um, the the budget, you know, they vote on different, um, the allocation of funds. Okay. Depending on like, you know, how much money is allocated um, to different areas when you break the budget down. But I'll say the the main thing is, is that if you have the power to create the laws, you're in a position whereas you can make major infrastructure changes in society. Mm, okay. Yeah. So give you an example, right? Imagine if there was a law that children that were exceptionally smart in poor areas because they're exceptionally smart in poor areas. You know, you could go to a special school and you could graduate with an associate's degree. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah, somebody could create a law to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, imagine if it was a situation where you had skill, like part of my platform, skilled apprenticeship jobs. My thing is that the crime rate is high. Mm hmm. So let's talk. Let's let's talk about one of the reasons real quick why the area is so raggedy. Right? Okay. So you you have like downtown Memphis, which is in District eighty six, right? Mm-hmm. Downtown Memphis is like the engine of the city. Approximately, probably about eighty percent of the money that's generated by the city of Memphis probably comes from like Bill Street and the tourism industry, which is in downtown Memphis, right? Okay. Outside of property taxes, right? The city doesn't make a lot of money because the city subsidizes a lot of corporate taxes with large companies. Well, the thing is, is that when you subsidize these taxes, when you bring companies in and then you subsidize other companies' taxes, they're doing it in exchange for jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Well, the taxes get subsidized first, but when they come, they say, hey, okay, you're a middle-class white person, middle-class black person, whatever, whatever, Mm -hmm. you're not qualified. So what happens next is that after they get the taxes subsidized, 
those tax dollars are most likely going to cycle down to low income areas. Okay. So that's the reason why the areas are so raggedy. Yeah. So they would cycle down to low income areas. Well, when those taxes get subsidized, you're taking money out of low income areas in exchange for jobs that those people can't qualify for. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, is that these companies come in when they get there. Oh, you're not qualified. Well, you already got your taxes subsidized. Well, it's not my fault you're not qualified, and this is what's happening. So they already have like low jobs where jobs don't have insurance or good benefits. So the people getting screwed of all colors. Now, yeah. when they hire people from outside, when you bring a person from a whole other state or somewhere else and you bring them in, basically that decreases the tax base locally because this is a person that's getting paid that's not basically contributing by paying taxes here. So that's another thing that actually hurts and decreases the tax base. So my 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 thing is, I feel like as a state legislator, if I was a state legislator, I feel that you should create skilled apprenticeship jobs for every company that gets a tax subsidy. So if it's a corporate company moving here, if it's a corporate company that gets subsidized taxes by law, because people don't qualify for the jobs on the subsidized taxes in the trade, what you would need to do is you need to have skilled apprenticeship jobs. Whereas if you have a kid that's in the 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, they work in the summer. And by the time they work three years in the summer, when they graduate in 12th grade, they have a skilled apprenticeship. So actually at 18, they can go into working a real job. And that's the trade for the subsidized taxes in the low income area. So now this kid that lives in a low income area, he has a real job. Whereas if he's still living with his mom at 18 and 19, mm -hmm. now you're putting money back in the community because you've trained kids. And this is like part of like education reform. Yeah. Or give them credit. Whereas if you're in a special program and you're working in this summer program, say 10th, 11th, 12th grade, now this kid, not only do they have a skilled apprenticeship job when they graduate, they're trained for, but you graduate them with an associate's degree. Mm. They graduate high school with an associate's degree and they have a skilled apprenticeship job. So they go straight into working for their corporate company with an associate's degree at 18. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good right there. But like, you know, it's also like that they say about, you know, people that go to college instead of going getting a trade. If you're learning a skill, like you just said, in 10th grade, 11th grade, by the time you graduate high school, you're going to have that freaking job down pat pretty much, man. You know what I'm saying? So like. And then you become like a master electrician or whatever it is, right? Or, or a regular journeyman or whatever. But like, if we teach if we teach young people at an early age how what like a, a real job instead of like algebra that they're never going to use or some bullshit like that, you know, it's like uh, shop class in high school. Remember that? Like you right. teach learn how to like in home ec with girls in home ec and guys in shop class or whatever. They should bring those life skills back into the schools because a lot of people that are like our some of our younger friends age, like 24, 25 years old, they don't know how to change a flat tire. You That's know? true. And they don't know how to like manage their finances because they just weren't taught that. If your parents didn't teach you at home, you don't know. Right. So, you know, that just goes back to all the tr the training that we, we have all this money for training. We should train people, you know. You give a list of 20 occupations. Well, which one do you think you'd be good at? I don't know. I was like, try this, you know, boom, if you don't, if it doesn't work, then you go to another one. You find one you like, because a lot of these kids in these areas you that you can be representing. Let's say real. I, I, if they even go to high school, right. right. If they even go to high school, if they even, you know, make it that far or whatever, a lot of them after high school, you know, they, 
especially in the Westwood area, they're going to be selling drugs. Right. So you know, the, and that's all they know because it, that's, that's the way of life and that's you're, it. You're right. So imagine this right here. Imagine if you had a skilled summer job internship, which is like that 10th, you work 10th, 10th grade summer, you work 11th grade summer, you work 12th grade summer. Now this skilled summer job internship basically turns into this skilled apprenticeship where you where you're basically transitioning from being a summer job for the company where you actually transition into a real position working for the company. Now, Tennessee Promise gives you two years, right? Mm-hmm. So if you had a special program where you had skilled apprenticeship jobs and then you graduated the kid, now the kid graduates with an associate's degree and he actually has a job because he's in the program. So he learns, he learned a skilled apprenticeship. Now he's working. He's making good money at 18. He has an associate's degree. Well, look, you got Tennessee Promise two years of education. You can take Tennessee Promise and take that two years of education. And that kid with 18 with a skilled apprenticeship that graduated with an associate's degree. Now let them take those two years to get a bachelor's degree. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, the way you're talking, it's like that's giving kids. Uh, something to look forward to, like hope, right. because yeah, you know, because I mean, like most people, when they get out, of, if like Ralph said, if they do go to school, but like just like let's say for example, they are in school. Um, once they get out, it's like, what am I going to do? Right, and it's the thing. It it really is. Some people are a um, a product of their environment. So, like if you see people around you not doing something, you're probably not going to do anything. Right, and I think that's the problem. A lot of people, especially in lower areas, they just don't have a hope of seeing anything better. Right. You know, if you come home every day and you just see your, your, your neighborhood and your family is just, you know, just getting by basically, you know, it's going to be, it's going to weigh down on you. Right. And I think that's the problem with, especially like in, in black communities and people of color that are uh, in poorer incomes. It's just, it's just, it's just the weight of the world is always on you. And it's like, you know, wh- what is there to do? Right. And if you can't find a job, you know, you don't have any skills. Um, it's just like, it's just a, a losing battle, it seems. Right. And it just seems like, the, I don't know, My I, I get frustrated when people are like, you know, uh, we need to make things better, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, what are you actually doing to make things better? Because it just seems like it's, you're just you're just kicking the can down the road. Right. Nothing's ever changing. Right. And you come in with these pretty promises, but... Well, nothing, nothing ever uh, makes a difference. Well, this this is what a lot of people don't realize. Like what a lot of people don't realize is that feasibility is a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Great ideas come and go, but ideas that are great, that are feasible. Yeah. Those are the ones are the most important because like from a position that I'm running for as a, a state representative, like you're asking, like, what would a state representative do? The main thing a state representative has the power to do in my eyes is because they pass legislation, they make, like I said earlier, they can make major infrastructure changes right. with laws. Because think about it. There's not a law that says it, but imagine what society would look like, you know, if they said, hey, from now on, every kid has to go to school for 14 years because it's a part of the budget and they no longer graduate with high school diplomas. They graduate with associate's degrees. Yeah. You know, that's an infrastructure change. Okay. So we're creatures of habit, and when the habits are bad, you have to put things in place to change the infrastructure to force to force the herd in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. So with our juvenile situation, like kids are so violent these days, we have to put things in place 
to change the infrastructure to force them to have a certain level of skill and education. Whereas when they graduate, they might not understand everything they need to know as far as life skills. But just like somebody decided that, hey, you need to go to school for 12 years and get a diploma. Mm-hmm. When things change, like things are changing, someone needs to make the decision that, hey, you need to go to get in this apprenticeship program or you need to go over here and do this or that to change things based off what's going on in society right now. Yeah. Because things definitely have to be changed because of the nature of what's going on as far as the pandemic and the way that the, the economy is and everything. Yeah. You know, there's a, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a, I can't remember where it was, but I saw it. I know it's factual. Um, there's some districts, I don't know if it's local though, but there's some districts in the con- in the country right now where parents can talk to their children and be like, hey, you going to go to college or do you want to go to, like, do you want to start learning, like, electrician or do you want to like plumber or whatever? You know, a lot of kids know what they want to do. But some of these programs, when they start at the very beginning, say ninth grade or whatever, right, or yeah. ninth grade, quote, unquote, what they do is they um, they – they have the same like core, like English and math, you know, like first beginning. But then as you start getting old, like 10th grade, that's when it starts start developing the skills more and more and more and more of that said program or that, I'm sorry, occupation. That should be available to everybody, I think. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that should be like, if, if I don't want to go to school for four years in high school to be, just get a high school diploma or I can get a four-year like apprenticeship Mm-hmm. Because you know, a lot of people when they become electricians and stuff, they have to do like four years of journey. I think they call it journeyman. Jeremy, Jeremy was telling me about it a long time ago. I think it's called journeyman, and then you can become a master electrician. Okay. So, but if you coming out of high, if you coming out of high school at say eighteen, and you have two years of your master, I mean your journeyman apprenticeship done, and you only got two more to make, and then you're making seventy thousand at twenty years old, right? You, that's an opportunity that you're not going to have to, you know, you can take, you're going to take your mama out of the, out of the hood, you know, or whatever, wherever the situation may be. Right. Or your, your parents or whatever. And right. you might be the breadwinner all of a sudden in your family. And imagine how good he's going to feel. He's taking his parents out of this impoverished neighborhood. And now his parents don't have to worry about, you know, simple things. And there's always food and stuff like that. Not everyone is geared towards learning and reading. Right. Mm-hmm. But using your hands, and skills, learning skills like that is where the shift needs to happen. The thing that's saying college is the only path, that's just maybe maybe 20 years ago that or 40 years ago, that's when they, you know, college, college, college. If you want to do anything in life, you have to go to college. But you know this, you both know this because both of you are on tech. If, if you guys both became better at, at tech, like learning all those, all those things you could get certified for, you could be making $200,000 right now like the cloud and all that kind of stuff, you know, like right. if you guys wanted to, but, and then like, and, or you could go to college and you get a bullshit degree, then you're going to have debt. But people that go to college and get a bullshit degree, that's on them for getting that bullshit degree. It's true. Right. Nobody says you had to go to uh, Yale and get some bullshit and, or I would say like roads, just like use locally, but you get some bullshit art degree and just so you, because your parents made you go to college, but now you have $120,000 worth of debt. If you and instead of doing that, you became an apprentice and then you became a master electrician, master plumber, whatever it's called. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? No, like, sense. well, I think it, I think there's a couple of things with that. I think that you should be able to go to school to get that degree if you want to. I think the problem is that it's so expensive. Like that needs to be looked at. Like, why is it cost? 
more than people are going to make to go to school. Right. You know, that I like, I remember, I think it was like Mark Cuban said that he believes the next bubble is going to be the student loans. Oh yeah. And yeah, think about this right here. It's like when you go to school and you get a degree, if there's no jobs in that area based off the economy, there's no return on what you spent to get the degree. Yeah. So now you spent four years of your life, you spent 40 to a hundred thousand dollars and there's no jobs available. So the, the only drawback is, is that you're not guaranteed anything once you get it. If the economy shifts. Yeah. And like, how many people do we know don't even use that college degree? Well, that's like what Crystal said. She got her master's and she's selling homes. Yeah. And she never thought she would go that path. Right. And like me, I got my bachelor's, you know, and what, like eight years ago, nine years ago, something like that. But I got it and I've never even applied for a job with it. Right. My mom wanted me to get it. So that's pretty much why I got it because my, my other two brothers have it and they're doctors and shit. But She's always like, oh, I worked so hard to, you know, make this happen. Well, I was like, oh, my God, let me get this college degree. Let's get this monkey off my back, you know, like. <laughs> right. And so, and I got the college degree, and it felt good getting it, no doubt, right? But, like, right. I've never used it. I worked at the store for a while, then I, and then I then I started selling beer. And I don't think I ever am going to use it, right? Because I'm 40 now, and, you know, it's kind of like, hmm, you haven't started doing it now, it, you're not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But I don't know what I have a question. Okay. Now you said, you said that the city um, gives money to different areas, different districts, right? Or the state does, I'm sorry, state, right? Well, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the breakdown, um, when the budget comes down, it is broken down into different areas, but is broken down into contracts also based off the needs of okay. the actual area. So say you 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 get, I don't know. Let's just make a say you get a billion dollars for your district, right? Okay. Whatever, right? A billion, you know. Let's just hypothetically speaking, a billion, right? Just right. for District eighty six. What are what are things that you would use the money for? Firstly and foremost, that's the most important thing to you on that. Like, is it you well, know? Okay, well I say it like this right here. Like you know, when you when you start looking at how the money comes down, there's a there's a certain amount of money that the county will get, mm-hmm. and then there's a certain amount of money the city will get. So, mm-hmm. say for instance, like you know, you throw a number out of there, just hypothetically, I'm, I can't just speak the number. Right. right. Say it was a hundred billion dollars in Tennessee. Right. And then they sent two point five billion to Shelby County, and maybe like seven hundred. Seven hundred to nine hundred thousand went to the city of Memphis. One point one something like that billion goes to Shelby County, and another one point four goes to the school district, Shelby County Schools. Mm-hmm. And this is broken up into like contracts in different areas. They have the money allocated to go in. So when it's actually starting to be like allocated, it's more of say for instance, like the the county or city they don't pave roads you know they don't put light bulbs in they don't they don't put those things up so when you're in the county they're basically going to have a contractor to bid on that contract and they're going to have a certain amount of money allocated for it oh okay so when that contractor bids on that contract he paves the road you know and that road might run across different districts you see what i'm saying right i got it now yeah but yeah it's uh it's interesting i didn't even think about that so the county everything in the county is Contracted out? 
Well, everything period is like the the county, the county, the city, the the actual county in a the city. They don't actually do anything. The money for everything is contracted out to civilians. Huh. That's crazy. So, like, if you're a general contractor, you know, you can bid on contracts to do certain things that are city contracts or county contracts or school district contracts. So this is where you get into all that stuff about what people say Harrington gave all his buddies the contracts. Right, and, right. You know, so like. They talk about the minority contract. Yeah, rate. all that. Yeah, because right. When, when you start looking at the minority contracting rate, it's basically what they're saying is that if you don't create African-American or minority millionaires with city, state, or county uh contracts meaning that if if i'm a if i'm a paver or whatever and then i get a two or three million dollar contract you know more most likely i might hire another minority if i'm a minority but if the minority percentage for minority contracting rate is extremely low like one percent or two percent that means that no minorities are getting contracts so minorities are not able to hire other minorities and help them far as giving them good jobs and make money because they're not getting contracts, period, that are coming down on a government level. Yeah. Wow. Now, when did they start the minority contracts? Like, because in the beginning, it was just their buddies getting all the contracts, right? Well, it's not like a minority contract thing. Basically, they're just doing it based off the percentage of minorities that are contractors that are getting contracts. Oh, okay. Out of the money that has come down. Say, if the budget for the county... Shelby County budget is like $1.1 billion, mm-hmm. and no African-Americans or minorities, Hispanics or whatever, none of them have, none of them are contractors that get contracts. The percentage is going to be extremely low, but this is an attribute in poverty for minorities because if there are a percentage of minorities getting contracts, when the area is predominantly predominantly uh, dominated by minorities like yeah. African-Americans and Hispanics, you know, if you don't have them getting contracts in the area or whatever, you know, that adds to poverty. Because if you if you say you have a neighborhood and you have two or three contractors, you have a Hispanic contractor, African-American contractor, and they basically get a multi-million dollar contract, guess what? They're going to give other minorities jobs. Yeah. That's so that's, that's the whole concept. So what does your past job help you does it help you with your ideas as far as your current position you're going for when you're an officer yeah i mean definitely i mean because um being a legislator like you know you're creating laws so Uh i mean being an officer you're enforcing laws yeah so i mean as an officer you would have a, a different understanding of uh the like tca tennessee code annotated um like you'd have a different understanding of the laws with having a background with actually dealing with the law. Yeah. Now, but it doesn't actually teach you or prepare you how to like, actually like write a bill, Mm -hmm. you know, but you will have a concept of what's going on versus a regular civilian that says, Hey, you know, I want to run for office today. You know, it's, it's a little different when you go and you get a degree versus you actually have to utilize the law on a daily basis for your job. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, what is some of your platform like? Uh, can you tell us some of the stuff that you're that you want to do? Well, the main part of my platform is community based. The main part of my platform is surveying the community. You have to break down each precinct, and precincts are just like neighborhood areas mm-hmm. that are in your district. You have to go in. You have to survey the community. Once you survey the community, you need to be able to create a feasible 
action plan to fix the survey issue. And then if you don't have the resources to fix the survey issue, be able to go and get the resources to fix the issue that you surveyed. So it's a circle of research, feasible planning, and having resources or going, being able to get the resources to fix what you found. Yeah. So that's the main part of my platform far as information that information about issues in the community that haven't been discovered. Now, you heard about um, what I said about like the um, you know skilled apprenticeships. That's mm-hmm. part of my that's part of my platform also. Yeah. Skilled apprenticeship jobs. The next part of my um, platform, something that I discovered in District 86, is the modernization of homeless shelters. Because 85 to 90 percent of the kids in Shelby County schools live off less than about $10,000 a year, right? Wow. So if one of these kids, if they're with mom, mom gets into it with a boyfriend, a husband, a grandma, and they get put out, guess what? There's a system in place with Shelby County Schools. They check your ID to make sure you're not a rapist, violence, a sex offender, murderer, or you've done some heinous crime. But think about it. If 90% of the kids are living below the poverty line, that means that anything that happens, there's a possibility a woman and a child can end up in a homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no system in place that separates rapists, murderers, violent sex offenders from women and children in homeless shelters. Well, 90% of the kids... I live below the poverty line. Yeah. So that's a major issue. So they're not keeping up with the molestation of kids and the rape of women in, in the homeless shelters or whatever. And this is a real issue. Yeah. See, that's a, like the, when you start talking to other people, that's when you, they say you learn something new every day. It's like you don't know this. People are going through this type of stuff. Yeah. Like you're just like my life. Sometimes I forget I'm in a pandemic because right. I, I've been working from home and, you know. I'm still working. Unfortunately, fortunately, most people aren't, you know, unfortunately, right. most people aren't. And so like when you hear other people's issues, it's like, man, I got to stop and think. It's just I got to get outside my bubble. Right. You know. But yeah, this is this is I mean, but this is this is a serious issue. Like because this this is what people don't realize. Everything is connected. Like a lot of a lot of change has been happening in the outside cities like Bartlett, Collierville, um, Germantown. But mm-hmm. what, what people better realize is that when you look at Memphis and downtown Memphis, this is like the engine of the city, right? You have a you have over a thousand people that are kind of walking around from like that edge of South Memphis, North Memphis, downtown, midtown, just kind of floating around. It's about a thousand homeless people just floating around, right? Yeah. Well, what happens is is that the more homeless people you have, it stifles the growth of the economic um community of downtown. Well, this is the engine of Memphis. Yeah. This this is where Memphis makes its money. Mm-hmm. So as you have more homeless people coming in, it basically it has a it has a direct effect on tourism. You know, I mean, what tourist wants to walk down the street if he's gonna be asked for change by yeah. seven straight homeless people? Yeah. So with that being said, what happens is that as this situation starts to kill the economy downtown, it's constantly growing and crime is going to venture out to other areas because guess what? As you're killing the economy downtown, there's money not available because you're running all the tourists off. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to start venturing out mm-hmm. because there's not enough to go around. Yeah. You know, there's already five homeless people on this block, so I need to venture out a little further. So what happens is that it's a it's like a virus. It it spreads and it spreads and it spreads. And now when you look at some of the outside cities. 
they're wondering why the crime is getting a little worse in your Bartlett or your Germantown or your Collierville. Well, it's because of the homeless situation. Mm. You know, when you don't realize there's a, a thousand or fifteen hundred homeless people, like I said, when you're in your own bubble and you're moving around, you're not thinking that these people are looking for opportunities to survive. Yeah. So they're going to go where opportunity is. And there's opportunity in other places where there's not as many homeless people. See, the thing about the homeless, too, I don't get it is like, how is we as people allow people to live like that? A lot of, the, of you know, it's, it's a lot of different reasons, you know, why people are, are, are homeless. But ultimately, people have a natural inclination to kind of like overlook things. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 deal with things that are directly affecting us. But when they directly affect other people, if it's a. If it's a way we can like turn our back or turn our shoulder and ignore it, we mm-hmm. will. I mean, because people walk past homeless people with issues on a daily basis or whatever. Yeah. And some of these people are mental consumers and some of them are not. Some of them like, you know, lost jobs. I mean, it's a lot of different reasons why. But ultimately, like, you know, society is really really society is not society is not designed for everybody to make it. Yeah. You know, really so it really is like survival of the fittest type. Yeah, I mean it I mean it is because I mean when you think about the way that things are being done now, I mean when you understand like for example, when you start looking at like society and politics, right? Let's take the city for example. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that happened, they issued a proclamation or you say an edict, right? So this is a liberty reduction thing that has happened with COVID-19 hit, you know, they shut businesses down, they closed you know, they closed different entities or whatever. They changed the, the dates and the, the times where you can move and circulate. Right. Mm-hmm. So these are called liberty reduction edicts. So you're making a proclamation of edict where we're taking these liberties away from you, something yeah. that you physically can do. Mm-hmm. Well, anytime you reduce liberty, automatically social unrest comes. Yeah. Now, as a politician, you have to understand that when you do anything that reduces liberty, you have to have something in place, whether it's police, military, or some type of infrastructure in place to basically balance out the effects of liberty reduction. Because any politician that understands liberty reduction, they know that violence, death, and crime comes with it. Mm-hmm. So when COVID-19 hit, the thing is, is that, and you started putting all these liberty reduction protocols in place and you don't put protocols in place to balance out the lives that will be lost in the destruction of the city to a certain degree, that's on the politician because yeah. you should know that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, especially in the situations where they say, Hey, Lord, you have the freedom to do this or you have the freedom to do that. You know, some politicians say, Hey, we should do this. Some say we should do that. But the thing is, is that you have to be accountable for these decisions that you make, because when you're in politics, you understand that when you reduce liberty, there's going to be casualties. Liberty reduction causes social unrest. So that I mean, make- so is that basically what you're seeing in Portland right now and places like that? Right. And it yeah. happened in Memphis here. Well, also, yeah, yeah I was going to say, you know, we're on the re- track for 300 murders this right. year. And I never thought of it. I was like, why is one people getting killed? And I was like, well. You know, maybe people out of work, they have to do what they do to get money and stuff. But then, like what you just said, I never knew what that meant. And so you just told me, 
But that makes 100% sense. You take away from people, the the bad stuff is going to rise. Right. They so. get they get angry. People get angry. They're mad. They're frustrated or whatever. They don't that their lives have been changed. But as a politician, you know, when 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 the society decides, okay, this virus is is dangerous, it's gonna kill people, it's gonna do this, it's gonna be that, you have a responsibility to not just say this and hide like most of the politicians here did. A lot of politicians really didn't get involved with the community. Yeah. Like with everything was going on, people are marching, they're burning stuff up, they're knocking windows out. The politicians were hiding. Mm-hmm. A few might have came out, but the majority of them, you didn't hear from them. Yeah. But right. when you get behind this liberty reduction, you should be out on the front line creating something to balance out the effects of the liberty reduction, communicating with people, talking to them in the neighborhoods you represent, the districts you represent, to try to keep this thing under control. Yeah. But that didn't happen. Yeah, it's like um, you can't just, um, like you said, take something away without having a plan to figure out how to fix what you took away. There's going to be a chain reaction, right. basically. It's also like what you said, Tony, like in all these other podcasts, uh, when they were shutting everything down across the country, like, that's fine. You can shut it down, but you have to pay the people. You have to give the people money to buy groceries and stuff, right? You just can't not let them earn and then expect everything to be okay. Well, see, I think uh, in that too, something that's more at the federal level, right? They would have to come in and, right, and yeah. do something. Oh, like right. federal money would have to come yeah. in and give like, like say, yeah. like the, all these restaurants we know that are closing, be- have closed locally because of COVID, right? Because right. their rents, nine, ten, eight. Five thousand, and they making seventy five hundred a month. You know, after everything, right. they you know they can't afford it. Because it wouldn't it be more like this? I guess um, the states would be the children, and the federal would be the parent. Basically, you're giving like them an allowance, like that's how you get well, your money or whatever. Well, I mean, the money the money is based off like the population. Like mm-hmm. you know, when the, I don't know the exact system, but pretty much you know when they start allocating funds mm-hmm. funds are funds are based off the amount of people you have yeah so you'll you'll have more money when you have more people mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's based off like the 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 population yeah okay but what that, that makes sense too but Tony were you saying that the federal government is our parents and then we're the children that they, they give us money when time has to come yeah give us like money? Uh, like yeah. like the budget comes from Right, right, right. Yeah, everything yeah, okay, comes. Okay. Yeah, right, right, right. Everything yeah. comes. comes right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rob, when you when you uh, decided to become Republican, I'm sorry, Republican, did uh, <laughs> Republican, man. Republican, did uh, did you catch a lot of slack from your friends? Well, I or, mean, your, or not your friends, like your peers, and you're like your group, of, you know, whatever. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people were angry. Some people were happy. Right. A lot of people were angry or whatever. But the thing is, is that people are angry because they're associating the word Republican with something that's social when I'm running as a Republican because of political reasons for change. Yeah. You know, it's not like a black and white thing. Mm-hmm. This is about a people thing, creating resources and trying to change the community for the better. Because at the end of the day, people are dying, people need help, you know, and nothing is being done. Yeah, I think people probably need to break stuff down kind of like pros and con list. It's like, what's the pro of being a Democrat and what's the con of being a Republican or vice versa? 
So if you're going to go down that list and do your checkbox, and and then if you go and look at the areas where the person is predominantly a Democrat that's running it and nothing's changed, then it sounds like more of a con than a pro to right. just vote a Democrat. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It, I think, and even if you go back in the day, it's like, okay, this is the thing I, I don't understand. Like, people are always talking about, like, now everybody's like, well, we need to get rid of this because it has a racist history or whatever. Right. Like uh, taking down the statues and the Aunt Jemima thing and stuff like that. But it's like, if you go back far enough, the Democrat Party... Was the one that created most of that shit. Was, <laughs> you know, they, they have a, a sketchy past. Yeah, I mean... You know, so it's like, how now, because the, the faces and, and they say they're for these people, but are they actually doing things for these people? I mean... The the proof the proof is in the pudding. I mean, if you look at most of the cities that are ran by like the uh, Democratic Party right now, these are all the cities that are at war right now. They're yeah, violence and poverty. Yeah, there's got to be. I mean, I, I remember it was like a biblical quote: "It's like man can't rule alone," and I, and we really do see that. How like you know we as people we're all fallible, and everybody thinks they're right, and all this other stuff, and you know. But to get to the point where, you know, you're only picking one thing just because it's what you've always known is is just kind of ignorant to me. Right. You know, you gotta you gotta go out and look at the facts and 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 see what's actually changed and what hasn't changed. Because it's it's just like if I'm gonna keep voting for the same thing and nothing's changing, what's the point of voting? Right. Just like for example, like in my race, District 86, like Barbara Cooper's 91 years old. She so think about cool. it. Ninety one years old. She didn't go to any legislation. She didn't. She didn't vote on anything. Go to anything. She was just at home. Made no provisions to vote on it. So just because she's a Democrat, yeah, at ninety one, thirty eight hundred people voted for her, and she's ninety one doing nothing. She's the same age as my grandfather. Ninety one. <laughs> like and, imagine your grandparents running for office still. Yeah, like, that's and, think, just, and think about this. November third, COVID is still here. Yeah. And, like, people are probably going to vote for her again, and she's not even going back to legislation. So the thing is, is that, like, people will complain. Like, the same people that will be screaming, I hate Donald Trump, mm-hmm. will go vote for a 91-year-old yeah. that's not going to even go and do any legislation to help the community, yeah. which is directly affecting them. What Donald Trump does is not going to affect you on 3rd Street. Mm-hmm. But when you go vote for a 91-year-old that's going to do nothing, that is. Yeah. So the same person that's screaming, I hate Donald Trump, they're gonna go vote for a ninety-one-year-old that's doing nothing. Yeah, it's just, which is crazy. Yeah, but yeah, people guess, don't people don't understand politics. I, I think that's the thing. It's like a, I think it's kind of designed that way though. Like it, you, there's limited information that we get as far, especially in school. Like if you're not going down a political path or you know to study politics, you're really just gonna learn about you know the most generic stuff. True. You know, so it's like that song I sent you about the. I'm not going to vote. Right. And then he breaks it down and, and tells you about the three parties or right. the three branches of the government. Right. And it's just like a lot of people need to hear that song because right. it really does, man. The way he, he kind of simplifies it and makes it in a musical way is very educational. It was very you educational. Know? And I, I think a lot of people, like I said, they just think about, you know, all election comes every four years. So, you know, that's what I need to worry about. Not the people like the two years or whatever, or yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. I, I, this needs to be shaken up. 
It definitely needs to be shaken up, man. Yeah. I mean, people are creatures of habit, but it's a time like in the past, you could probably get away with it. People weren't paying attention because the economy wasn't in bad shape. So, you know, politicians can get by doing nothing. But Mm -hmm. now it's a time where you got to have serious politicians that actually have the ability to make change and help in an emergency situation. You just can't go vote for career politicians that are doing nothing because times are too bad. It's too rough. Yeah, I mean, I really think that if I like, okay, from any of us of our regular jobs, we're going to be held accountable for what we do. Right? Why are you not really held accountable if you're not doing anything? Just because you've been there so long that people are just going to like pass you by. Like, okay, you know, she's ninety, right? You know, so it's like people keep voting. Yeah, I mean, it's how the people vote. But yeah, it they need the word needs to be out there that. A, a yeah. change needs to happen. There needs to be a well, peace. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Rob. I was just saying there needs to be a peace in place for situations like that. Yeah. You know. Which kind of like also, you know, people, there should definitely be limits. You know, why is there a limit on the top office in the country, but not a limit on like a senator or a congressman or a congresswoman or whatever, you know, like. And then down to the state level and local level, you know, all these things, I think, should have term limits, right? Because if you're a person that just votes one, I mean, not votes one way, but if you're a person that just has your ideas one way and it's not working, but you keep on winning, you're not bringing any positive change, right? Right. I feel, Well, see, this is, this is where it all boils down to. When you look at the Constitution, when the, when the Constitution was created, the Constitution wasn't created in a— to support a republic or a democracy or a constitutional type society. The Constitution wasn't created to go hand in hand with any type of society. Mm -hmm. But the Constitution was created as a document to basically give guidelines of how the federal government should interact with people, what's legal, what's not legal, far as the federal government being overbearing and interacting with people. And based off whatever entity that controlled the resources at that moment, they could amend and change the Constitution, whereas they could use it to their benefit if they were the ones in power or if things were changing it. You know, the Constitution is a revolving document that changes with time based off who's controlling the resources. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, a lot of principles of the Constitution are violated because the Constitution was never married into a system as far as the United States. It was more of a document that had principles that gave men in power a guideline how to do things, but it was never connected to society. Mm. So it's like a template, basically. It's a template for how you can actually run. So the thing is, the Constitution is a document that can actually be used and enforced or a document that's ignored. Yeah. It just depends on who's in power at the moment. Cause some people are pro constitution. Some people would, some people are die hard by the constitution and other people, they ignore it. Yeah. It just depends on who's controlling the resources and who's willing to enforce it. Hmm. Goddamn Nicholas Cage and stealing the constitution. Y'all never what? seen, y'all never seen that? <laughs> the movie National Treasure where he steals the Oh, yeah, 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 I saw that. Yeah. What the fuck? Good. That was pretty good. Edit that part out, please. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> everyone's like, what the fuck? I might watch that today. That was pretty good. That was a good. They're coming up with a third one, I heard. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, so we'll see what he does. I guess he needs money. Who knows? That makes sense, though, by the Constitution? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, What about weed? How do you feel about weed? Are you pro-weed, against weed? Are you whatever? I think that marijuana is something that states are using it to basically, like, boost their economy and they're making money. I feel like anything that can be regulated to actually help the economy should be regulated to help the economy. Right. It's it's just a, it's just a matter of the politics of it, Mm -hmm. you know, because some, some places like, for example, some places might not want to legalize marijuana because they have other entities that deal with marijuana within the state. Whereas if it's legalized, they'll get taxed too. Mm. So it's all about money. Yeah, it's all always about money. So yeah. think about it. Tennessee is a place where we have red clay soil, which is perfect for growing tobacco, uh-huh. which is perfect for growing marijuana. So you ask yourself, why wouldn't they legalize marijuana in a state like Tennessee where it grows perfect? And I'm not sure about it, but I heard that at one point Tennessee was like the second highest marijuana growing state in the United States. Well, what it boils down to is who's growing it and who doesn't want it taxed. Mm. And that's like on a government level, because if you think about it, when they actually started exploring the United States, they came here looking for marijuana. Mm. You know, because like if you if you um, if you if you go back through history, like, you know, they could use marijuana to make paper and make like, oh, like hemp and stuff. Yeah, they made a lot of products out of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, back, you know, I, I, I think marijuana has only been illegal since the 60s. Right. Something like that. Yeah, it just it just became illegal. Well, I saw something the other day. I guess they're it's on a bill or on the on for the coming up election in Mississippi, right? Like for like they can go like a dispensary. I think it's medical. Oh, medicals okay. up. Gotcha. But it's like, why wouldn't you do something that could also add money to your economy? Well, like you especially know. jobs, and you know, because you see what's happening, like. Colorado and Oregon when they first were, you know, Colorado first booming, ones. dude. They're fucking booming that with that money. But think about it like this right here. Can you remember when you was a kid and all the marijuana commercials? What is the Mar- What did they say on the marijuana commercials when you were a kid? I just remember that one church commercial, like get hope out your vein, get or get dope, dope out, out your, your vein. vein. Just <laughs> hoping you're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, do you, okay, let me ask you this. Do you remember the marijuana, the marijuana commercials when they used to go, Oh yeah, don't smoke pot, it kills your brain cells. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well think about this right here. For years they said pot kills your brain cells, pot kills your brain cells, pot kills your brain cells. Mm-hmm. Well if well if they if they've confirmed that pot kills brain cells and the body regenerates itself, what does chemotherapy do? Kills it's your cells. Oh no, no, yeah. Well it kills cells. Yeah, it kills the good so, and bad, unfortunately. So, yeah, but. so what that tells you is that Marijuana can treat cancer. Yeah. They told you they could because they said it kills sales. So you think it's sales are sales. It's one of those things probably because it's like the pharmaceutical companies too. They're like money. Yeah. They're like, well, we want to pump you full of this poison. It's going to be like you said, the pharmaceutical companies, right? When it becomes legal, like state and countrywide and nationwide, I mean, and or whatever it is. Don't think that big farmers not going to come and buy everything up. Right. They're going to buy it up. They're going to, they're going to, you know, I think the way you can look at it is like, the beer and liquor, you know, there's big companies that have most of the stuff. And then you have these people that try to do like their, 
their brew. What do they call them? Uh, local breweries. Yeah, like a local yeah. brewery or whatever. But you can't really compete with the. No, big what ends up happening on the local brewery thing is you end up getting bought. Yeah. If you're good enough, you're going to get bought. Now, right. my theory on this one is the local breweries. They they you can't you they, they can't they won't survive. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, going back to the, the marijuana though, I just think that it's um it's ridiculous that it I guess you can kind of look at it how what's going on with the virus. You know, it's state by state and it's like, why don't we just have a blanket thing for everybody? Yeah. Like, you know, Florida just opened the governor of Florida just signed the law saying one hundred percent one hundred percent capacity statewide, everywhere. No restrictions anymore. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, you just have to, as people, you're just like, how much control do we want to keep giving up? Right. You know. I don't know. Let me ask you one more question. What is your, what is your, what are you really, truly passionate about? Like, what is your one true thing that you, you know, like now you're joining or whatever? What's your true passion? My true passion? hmm Well, I mean, so when you ask this question, do you mean like my true passion far as, like what I want to do far as a community or my true passion far as personal, like kind of um, more specific. E- either way you want to answer it. Okay. Just my true passion. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Either way. Well, I'm, I say, man, my, my, my true passion is always just really just been helping people. I love helping people. I'm a people person. You right. Know? So it's like, you know, a lot of people are like, people say like, man, you're going to burn yourself out. always doing this, doing that. But I mean, it doesn't burn me out because it makes me feel good to help people. I like yeah. helping people. So it's almost like I don't even feel it or notice it when I do it because it comes second nature. It makes mm. it's like a feel good. It's like a feel good thing. Damn it, yeah. Tony, what was, what would yours be? Mine would be mine would be helping people too, even though people really don't think I do help people. I actually do help people. But <laughs> what is the question? Exactly? Like, what's your passion? Like, if what's your what are you passionate about? Mm. On a personal level, I guess be more of just seeing and doing more stuff. Like traveling, learning, okay, learning yeah. new things, um, because I think as as a person, you only have so much time on this planet. So why would you only relegate yourself to just little things right. and thinking small? Like do big things. If you fail, try something else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like with this podcast. It's just like, you know, why not try something? Right. You know, definitely because you never know. You, I mean, that's the thing with life. It's just like I can always have regrets or I can have mistakes. I'd rather have mistakes than regrets. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like if you regret, Oh, I should have gone to that game or should have gone to your, yeah. Or or I can just say like, I tried that. It didn't work out, but at least I tried. I don't want to have that in my head, man. I wish I would have tried that. Cause you know, that's what they always say. If you talk to older people, their biggest thing is they have regrets that they didn't take that leap or they didn't take that trip, True, or, you know? Right. And I think we, as people, sometimes we forget that we're not here for forever. Right. You right. know, like you think that, you know, like y'all were talking about earlier, you know, um, about time, you know, you don't know what, maybe you weren't talking about that, man. I'm thinking about something. I think I was listening to something else actually, but they were, they were saying about how like, you know, you might leave here today and you could die. Right. You know? Yeah, you're right. Or you might not wake up. They always say there's somebody who had plans to do something today that didn't wake up to do it. It's true. You know? So, yeah. I mean, what you're doing to try to help people is is beautiful. Like, it's one of those things where people don't understand you're not going to, and especially in the beginning, I think a lot of people see, like, politicians, they're like, oh, they're getting fat cats, they're getting money, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, most of those jobs on the lower level are not paying a shit, a shit ton of money. No, they don't. You know, you're not going to get rich on the on the low level. Definitely you know? not. So, yeah, to be able to help people and to be a selfless servant is amazing. Because that's what we should do. Like you said, every person should always try to help somebody else out. Right. So we got to stop being so selfish as people. Right. We can't keep turning a blind eye to the issues that are going on. Especially in your, you got to look at your state and your city as your home. You don't want your home to be dirty. You know, you have to understand that if somebody else is hurting, that's going to affect you down. It's got to be, there's going to be a ripple effect. It's got to be a butterfly effect. Something's going to happen. Like say you were talking about the homeless and it keeps moving. If it keeps moving, you know, that dirt's going to end up in your home eventually. Right. You know? So yeah, if you're a true Memphian, you want to see Memphis do well. Doesn't matter what part of Memphis it is. You can't keep living in this bubble where you think if you live in Germantown or Collierville, that Nothing. crime is not going to be like motherfuckers. Crime travels. I don't <laughs> know why people think like people come over here. They're like, why do you lock your doors? That's the dumbest thing when people say it to me. <laughs> you know, why do you, why do you lock your doors? Like, why don't you lock your doors? Right. They're living in this false insecurity that. They live, especially man, downtown people are the worst because they'll live over by like Laughlin Yard and stuff like that. And it's kind of pretty over there now. Right. But you don't understand those people are, are struggling. And that's the problem with this world is like, you know, it sucks that people rob people, but it's like, why are the people having to rob people? Right. You know, you got to look at that part of it too. It's like, you know, we as a people should be so far advanced that people shouldn't be struggling you know, financially where they have to look for an opportunity to take something from somebody else. Right. You I don't know, contone it. I'm not condoning it, but I'm saying I can kind of see it. Right. You know, well, it's like they say, like, you know, like in some, like, uh, what was it? Uh, it's some, some, um, some culture, some villagers, you know, like that. Right. There's nobody that's rich in the village. Or there's nobody that's poor in the village. Everybody right. has the same stuff. Right. Yeah. That way, no one, no one has felt left out or whatever. And there's a lot of tribes in Africa that still live like that to this day. Right. You know, my my mom was talking to my aunt that lives there, and she was asking about some people, and she was telling me, "Yes, everyone was her." It's like, yeah, it's, it's it, that part of this that. So outside of the city is usually where they live. You know, like right. all of the tribes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that she said that they're still living the way they were when we were there in 86, you know, and right. when she was there as a kid and stuff too. So like people are, it's just like you're in bigger countries, more, I guess you would say civilized or not civilized, but more um, technology, more advanced, like, you know, America is considered a first world country, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have third world countries or whatever, like people, the more advanced your culture is, the, le- the more people get left behind. Right. Right. Because you either you're either advancing with everybody else or you're getting left behind. Yeah. It's kind of like what you say to me, Tony, sometimes it's like you never want to be you, you need to do stuff because you don't want to be left behind. Right. Yeah, You don't want to be that loser you, friend. Right. You, you don't want to be the friend that's not doing shit or you don't want to be part of a society that's not doing shit. You want to be part of society that's moving forward. Right. right. So you want to be part of that. But then it's, you know, like Rob said earlier, there's some people that they don't even know what else is there. Right. They just know their street or their neighborhood and that's it. Yeah. I, like I said, I think the thing is that it needs to be more of just looking at us as humans than um, classes or colors. 
Right. Because once you start looking at a person as a person, instead of, you know, are they black, are they white, or they're poor, or they're rich, you can start seeing what you could do to try to help those people. Right. You know, because like I said, I think there's just too much where we get stuck in our bubble. Like I said, I, I'm guilty of it. You know, you just, you don't sometimes realize that some other people are hurting and, you know, you think everything is fine because your life is fine. Right. And if you can be a person that's going to go out there and try to change somebody else's life, why not do that? It's like, I love this Tupac quote. He's like, I might not change the world, but I guarantee I'll spark the brain of the person that will change the world. So, like, you know, if you go out there and you may not clean up everything, but somebody may say you see you doing something and that might resonate with them and make, well, why can't I do that? Right. You know, because like when we did the thing for the homeless, that's it. It was sparked my brain. I saw this guy doing um, cutting hair for homeless on Sundays. Right. And, you know, he was a salon guy and he just took free time to do that. He posted the video, you know, and, and I saw the video. And I was sitting there, I was like, that's really cool. You know, like somebody's just taking their free time and, you know, just donating their time to help others, to make people feel better. Right. And I was like, well, why don't, why don't somebody do that here? And I was like, why can't we do that? Or why can't I do that? Right. So it's like you got to start looking within sometimes. You can't always expect other people to do stuff. Because if you always think somebody else is going to do something, they're probably not going to do it. Because they're, they're waiting for somebody to do it. True. And so with you running and you getting out there, and also it... it I I guarantee you it has to help that you look like the people in oh, the area. Yeah. You know, cause if you have somebody, you know, if you have somebody that doesn't look like you, you're like, what are they going to do for me? Right. But if, you know, if you kind of look like them, they, there has to be some kind of hope, man. There has to be something that they can resonate with. Oh, definitely. You know, so I'm, I'm hoping these people in 86 get out there and understand that, or not, I guess it wouldn't just be them, but I mean, all of us can understand that, you know, there needs to be a change to, to better Memphis. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely like the downtown community, because, you know, you have a lot of professionals downtown that of all races and they don't vote. Yeah. You know, they don't. They don't. Yeah. Well, like I, I told you this when I talked to you, um, was it last Saturday when we talked on the phone? Right. Like I had never voted before. Like I grew up Jehovah's Witness. And so it was always frowned upon to do anything like secular, like, uh, you know, any type of sports or holidays or voting. You know, right. it was just you didn't do it. And I haven't been doing that in a, in a hot minute. But sometimes it's like you get stuck in that mentality if you've been doing something for so long. You right. kind of ingrained in your brain. And then I was sitting there and I was talking to somebody and I told them that I didn't vote. And their whole mentality of like talking to me changed. Changed, right. right. And it's like you shouldn't put that much validation on somebody for that. But I don't want that feeling again. I don't right. want somebody to have that holding over my head. So I did register. So I will vote this year, but it's just like, and then what, like that song helped too. You kind of understand that it's not just what you see up top. It's right. the lower levels of the pyramid. Right. Cause you have to understand that something's supporting that those legs. Right. You know? So if you want to really break the wheel, you have to start at the bottom. It's true. You know, it's kind of like, remember back in the day, uh, I think it was Clinton's campaign. It would rock the vote when they got all those young people to register. Oh yeah. yeah. And I was watching on MTV and stuff. I yeah. think it was Clinton's campaign. It was somebody's campaign back like in the 90s. Oh, like the puff daddy thing. 
Yeah, they were all getting people to vote. All these young, they were getting all these. They were getting all the young people to sign up to vote, and that was like the biggest eighteen to thirty-five. I guess the demographic with the first one, and then thirty-six to forty-two or something like that. Whatever. That was like the biggest turnout for the young people ever in the history of the country and stuff like that. And I think too, it's like I think they kind of got pressured into it, but social media is really pushing the voting thing because like every time i log into instagram or facebook or even snapchat i have to close it out they click on the link to to register to vote right so it's like it is easier now to register because they're basically giving you the path before it's like you know when when i first graduated high school the internet really wasn't as big as it is now right so it's like you there's no excuse that you you're not registered or you're not going to learn at least try to figure out some information and like I said, I think it it has to be ingrained in people that you can make a change. Right. You know, you have to get out of this mentality that, you know, the lesser of two evils. No. OK, say you don't want to really care about that part, but you got to care about the part that affects you locally. Right. You know, so, yeah, man, that's awesome that we know somebody that's uh, running for office. That's pretty cool. You Definitely. Know? District 86 state representative. November 3rd. <laughs> now, can you talk a little bit about your history when you were a cop, like the kind of stuff you had to deal with? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, yeah, um, you got any specific questions? Or like- um, so, like, with the climate that's going on right now, like, as far as you, like, it's, it really is kind of like you can kind of speak on both paths, I would imagine. Like, it's as a black man and also being an officer, like, what do you have to say to black people as far as dealing with cops and vice versa, or cops dealing with black people? Well, I, I think that anytime you don't have representation in something, you're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. Black people are so negative toward law enforcement yeah. that they don't realize that they can encourage good people to become law enforcement. Okay. You know, if you want a reform in law enforcement, you want to, change the way law enforcement the change the relationship between law enforcement with African Americans or whatever that means that you have to support law enforcement with African Americans that will interact with people a certain way mm-hmm. you have to push that or whatever yeah because it's it's really um one of those things where everybody doesn't have a problem with law enforcement it's just certain people yeah so the thing is is that if I'm in a house and I have a history of my house always having issues with law enforcement or the police, well, why don't I encourage my nephew or my cousin to become a police officer and see if we can get him in that area so he can understand the issues that are going on in that area yeah. so the issues can be handled differently? Mm-hmm. I mean, anything that you don't have representation in or you're not directly dealing with, it's going to you're going to be at a disadvantage. Yeah. Now, did you run into it where when you like went to a call or whatever, like say that the people had disdain for you because you were black and you were a cop? I've what well, I was a sheriff's deputy, so when I when I went on calls, I I never really had any issues on any house calls. Okay, but I did have situations where randomly people would make comments, but I mean it was nothing where I respond. I, I never went into a situation where I responded to anybody like lashing out at me because I was black in an officer. Yeah. But I did have people make comments just out when I was out in the field, like mm-hmm. random comments. Yeah. I just don't know. Like uh, we had two cops on here and listening to them 
talk about their experiences. It's just like you have to to kind of get out of your own head. Like you have to understand that, you know, they have problems too. Right. And see, the, the thing is like with a lot of it is cultural based diversity. Mm-hmm. For example, like a lot of officers are not diverse. Yeah. So when you start talking about cultural based diversity, if I go, if I go deep into like, you know, a, a rural area, mm-hmm. you know, the issues in a rural area are going to be, will be different from the issues in a city, yeah. city area or whatever, or, mm-hmm. or sub- suburbs or whatever. Yeah. So with that being said, say I go into a low income neighborhood and, you know, I walk in or whatever and it's like granddad, he's 85 years old and all he knows is the police is evil in his eyes. And he's like, oh, let him up in police, mother police, mother police. Yeah. You know, he might curse 10 times in a row or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand it based off cultural based diversity. He doesn't have a problem with the police. He just curse a lot. Yeah. You know, so it's not disrespect because he said motherfucking police five times in a row. Mm-hmm. It's just an issue that you have to understand that cultural culturally they curse a lot. Yeah. And, and it might be a situation where you go to a, a heavy rural area. Like I had this personal experience where I got a call because, uh, what was it? Uh, um, I think it was a a male a male white called on a on a on a, a, a white female because he said that her horse raped his horse. What? I'm dead serious. This is a real call. Yeah. So when we get there, you know, the horse had jumped the gate. And got the other horse pregnant. Okay. So it turned into, well, two years ago, one of your dogs got one of my dogs pregnant. Uh Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And So, like, they've had a feud over their animals over, like, a two- or three-year period, right? Yeah. Now, while this feud is going on and we're trying to resolve this feud, there's a guy in the back with shotguns and rifles and just firing away. So fuck. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So the thing wow. is that like they own the land. Yeah. They own the land. He's mad and pissed off in the back shooting his rifle and his shotgun or whatever. And me and another officer is actually dealing with the horse raping the other horse. And mm-hmm. this is a real scenario in a rural area. So, I mean, it's, it's, it was chaotic, but it's a different type of chaos, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, but the thing is, is, He's shooting his rifle and his shotgun in the back, but I know he's not shooting at me. Yeah. But cultural based diversity. I'm not on the radio. Oh, shots fired, shots fired. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, he's gonna kill me. Nah, he's just in the back of his house shooting a rifle and a shotgun. Now, another scenario. Goddamn you know, Arlington, get your shit together. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, you know, and I've been in a house where it's like, you know, I start talking to a person about an issue or whatever, and the next thing you know. You know, it's rooms everywhere. Now it's like nine people coming out of everywhere, mm. you know, different rooms, different cuts or whatever. So it's like me, another officer, and it's like 10 other people in here all of a sudden. I didn't even know they went in the house. Yeah. People start coming out of everywhere. So, I mean, it's like, oh, man, 10 people in here. I mean, so, you know, the thing is, is that, like, you have to understand as an officer, you have to you have to, you have to understand cultural-based diversity because some of the situations you go in – if you understand the culture of the area is not as serious as it seems. Yeah. But fear is one of the things that escalate a lot of issue with officers too, because I think that fear makes officers kill more than racism does Mm -hmm. or being racial or prejudice. You know what I mean? 
I think that a lot of the a lot of the shootings that happen that we were saying, oh man, you know, they're killing black people. I think a lot of it's because the officers are just afraid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine like like they always talk about fight or flight. You know, most people are running away from the building, not running to a building. Right. So if you're gonna be in a situation where you think that somebody twitches and that your life's in danger, you probably are gonna your body's gonna react and like take in, take over and be like, I need to protect myself. Right. And it's unfortunate that some people do get killed. But it's just like we don't know sometimes what those people's intentions were maybe they were going to do something bad to those p- police officers you don't know it's just right i think know. we as the public it's like this um what do they call it the monday morning quarterback right. oh yeah yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, it's like it's easy to critique when you're not in that situation like, i'll give you another scenario so guy pulls on the lot all of a sudden it's like a crowd of 100 people around his car they're throwing stuff at his car or whatever just trying to tear his car up they're screaming so he jumps out of the car and he's like, hey, man, I'm going to start shooting if y'all don't, like, get away from my car. So he's screaming and stuff. So I pull up. And when I get out the car, I start walking through the crowd telling people to move and leave off the lot. But I'm by myself. Yeah. You know, but I'm comfortable by myself. But, I mean, I shouldn't have probably done it. It was kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I saw the situation about to escalate. So I went on and intervened. Yeah. So as I'm intervening, I'm going toward the guy. And I'm like, hey, man, if you just get back in your car, I'm going to clear some space. I'm going to make them let you off this lot or whatever. Mm -hmm. As I walk up to the guy, he has a gun. Yeah. Well, the gun is tucked in his waistband, right? Well, the thing is this. It's 100 people outside. They're at the guy whatever. He has a gun tucked in his waistband. Me, I'm not afraid. He has a gun. But the gun is not for me. Yeah. So as I talk to the guy, I talk the guy down. The guy starts to sit in the car. The second as I'm talking him down, gunshots start. Mm. So somebody's shooting at us. So I start running. I run, and I take cover inside the building. And basically, the people in the building, I tell them to get away from the windows and get down and lock it down because it's 100 people outside, and I don't know who's shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I just know the shooting started. Yeah, you know. So it was one of those scenarios where, like, you got some officers that as soon as they seen the guy with the gun, they would have freaked out. Yeah, Like, actually, the guy that was working – with me, a uh, supervisor on duty, he was like, oh, man, you didn't revert to your training or whatever. He had a gun, this, this, that, this, this, that. But I was comfortable with him having a gun mm-hmm. because in the conversation that I'm having with him, I didn't feel the energy that the gun was for me. And that's a dangerous situation. Yeah. But he has a gun, but he needs help because he's under attack. Mm. So I'm in a situation where I'm dealing with a guy that has a gun, but there's people out here trying to attack him. Yeah. We learned this on the last one with a, John and Juice that they were talking about, like, I guess now in Tennessee or maybe in, is it Memphis? I guess you can carry guns in your car without, I guess, having a carry yeah, permit. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. It's Memphis. And yeah. so it's like, you know, now it's like if if situations get escalated, that guy would have the right probably to shoot at those people if they were his felt his life was in danger. Right. Well, if they're but, coming up to him. Well, the thing is, is that like, um, a felon can't be, I mean, even a felon can't be charged in self-defense, depending really? on the circumstances. Yeah. So if a person, if a felon comes across a gun uh-huh. and it's someone else's gun, but they're in an awkward situation where they have to protect themselves and it's self-defense and it's proven self-defense, they can't be charged for using it. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, they kind of like, you know, the laws, like self-defense is self-defense. Yeah. You know, if it's, if it's classified as self-defense. Well, I saw that happen at that. It was like, I guess, a Kroger, um, like off Kirby. Um, these kids tried to rob this guy. He was in a G-Wagon. 
Right. And they took his keys and then he came back out or something. And then I guess it's the kid's like a rapper or he was a rapper. He ended up getting killed. But uh, the guy ended up shooting him, you know, trying to protect his property. And I guess his wife was with him, too. But it's just like, you know, you got to look at these situations. And, you know, it's like if, if you feel you're in danger, why would you want like they're they're not really concerned about you. So why should you be concerned about them? Right. You know, and that kind of thing. But yeah, that, when I found that out, that whole rule, that new law, I was like, man, that's crazy. You know, he, so there's a lot of people rolling around with guns now. It's like you don't want to get an altercation with anybody now these days, man. It's just yeah. like, extension. The car is extension of your house. Yeah, it's uh, he, and he he didn't face any charges. They just they we I mean, they took him in or whatever they're supposed to do. You know, pr- protocol. And uh, the district attorney was like, yeah, no charges will be filed. The, the homicide was justified. Blah blah blah. Of course it was, bitch. We all saw the same video. You know, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a weird time we're living in, man. Right, it really is. It's I mean, like I said, I guess it's got to get back to like I said, you got to you got to start just something's got to give, man. Yeah. Something needs to change because at the rate we're going, it it doesn't look good. It looks like it's getting worse and worse. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, there's got to be a there's got to be a sunny spot coming soon. Because I just seen that people are just so hurting right now on so many fronts. It's just, it's just sad, man. It's just really is sad. Right. I know, man. It's crazy. But yeah, like going back to the, like I said, um. So I okay. Have you ever had any experiences with the police before you were a cop that kind of put a taste in your mouth that you know a sour taste in your mouth at all? Oh, definitely. Like I had some, I had some really bad experiences with. Police before I was an officer. Because I'll never forget one of my experiences. I've had two that I can think of. One time I had a car with had tenant windows, and I was driving down the road. I was over here off Mount Moriah. This cop pulled me over. And I had my window, the, my driver's side window was down, and he pulled up beside me, and I guess he saw that you know I was in the car or whatever, so then he, had, he turned the lights on. And we pulled over, and he's like, your car looks fits the description of something that was in a some kind of, incident or whatever and i was like i you know i don't know i just left my home and he's i was like do you want me to roll my windows down so you can see you know what's going on so that was that experience and then another time i uh was downtown and i was with some friends and this is well now this is one of the reasons why i don't like leaving the house looking like shit because i was wearing like just kind of just ratty clothes right and i was walking downtown and we were over there by the fex forum I was with two people. It was a white guy and a white woman. And we were walking. They used to have like rooftop parties at the Gibson Lounge. And we were walking over to there. And these two cops rolled up on bicycles. And they asked the two the two people with me, were they okay? Right. And then they're like, yeah, we're fine. You know, whatever. They think you were like. They thought I was homeless. Like oh, harassing them. Oh, yeah. oh, give me you some know. change. Give me some change. Yeah. And so then it, it made me mad. And I was like, what the fuck, man? You know, like, <laughs> so then I walked, right. I walked down there and I was talking and I, I knew one of the cops that was down there. I went to school with them and I asked him, I was like, Hey man, you know, what's up with that? And he's like, I don't know. And then I, so I talked to like, he's like, you can talk to like the superior officer or whatever. Right. And I was like, you know, I don't appreciate, you know, your guys like basically assuming I'm harassing people because I'm with them. Right. And then he was like, I think it's in your best interest to walk away. <laughs> you know so it's just like but i mean that's not gonna have me hating every single cop you know it's just some people are assholes some people there's there's bad people in every bunch 
Right. You know, and I think now it just seems like things are getting heightened because everybody has a camera phone. And so you are seeing a lot of shit, but right. you aren't seeing the good stuff. Like John and Drew said, it's like you don't hear, you guys are not usually showing up to like to have a party with people. It's right. to, you know, deal with something that's bad. Right. You know, True. so I think it, I think it's one of those things where, you know, you got to do more training. Um, and also, it, it it needs to be more help in the community, so people can realize that not every cop is going to do something bad to them or shoot them, or every time they get pulled over, they got to worry about being shot. Right. You know, it's just I don't know. I think I think it's going to get to the point where we as people just look, you know, stop being so judgmental on both sides. I think so too. I, I think that also when you look at it, um. But when you when you fix most issues, you just have to kind of go to the root of it and you think about it. You know, the mayor appoints the police director. Mm -hmm. You know, the sheriff is an elected official. Yeah. So when it comes to voting again, Mm -hmm. if you want the police department to reflect a certain thing, you have to vote for a mayor that has that vision. Yeah. If you want the sheriff's office to look a certain way. You have to vote for a sheriff that mm-hmm. has that vision. So, you know, as as um, responsible adults, you know, you have to be accountable for the fact like, you know, a lot of people are quick to criticize, but they're not actually quick to, like you said, go vote and basically support a candidate that's going to have your vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like they won't go vote, but then they'll turn and complain and, you know, stir a lot of things up. But I mean, they won't. Go vote and support a candidate that, you know. Yeah, it's like one of those things where I guess you really can't complain if you're not willing to do something about it. Right. Like, I mean, see, this is the thing I find funny, too. It's like it's it's illegal for me not to pay my taxes, but it's not illegal for me not to vote to actually change something. And it's like I wonder why that is, you know, like what is the reason why they, they really don't want to. Us to like, think about like this make changes. Voting is a privilege. Taxes yeah. are not. Yeah, but that's what my point is. Like, why? Well, <laughs> you know, like. But think about it. It's like, you know, you can't make a privilege illegal not to do it. It's a privilege. But I, my, I think my point is, you know, it's like we have to do one thing that it may not affect us, um, on the grand scheme of things. Like the voting possibly could. Right, and well, I guess you, when you look at it, it's like you know. The voting process is basically allowing everyday people, constituents, citizens, the opportunity to give their, you know, um, give their, I mean, give their opinion of who would be the candidate they want. And and that's part of a democracy, you know yeah. what I mean? Because majority rule, the majority of the people vote for a certain representation that's going to be the, res- the representation or whatever. So it's, so it's more of like now taxes, that's a little different. I guess my point is I think that I, when when people think about taxes, it's like, oh, fuck, man, I've got to give up some money. You know, what? It, where's my money going to? You know, oh, they're going to fix roads possibly. But then you go and you drown the potholes everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Right. But the thing about the voting is like most of us, me included, you don't think about the little things that could possibly change if you did vote. Right. So that's what I'm saying. I think they should – it should be something that you should you should possibly you should do 
you know, and they should make it easier. Like, I don't understand why now we can't vote on our phones, but I can do all my banking and stuff on my phone. Well, I mean, I guess because of the the process being able to be manipulated is like the accuracy of it. I don't know. See, but like, you know, if you have like some facial recognition or I don't know, there's there just seems to me like these the way of doing things is just so old that they're not even looking to change. Like even like the electoral college is like, why are we still doing that? You know, it's like it's like, why don't the popular vote actually be the thing? Well, I mean, they determined years ago based off of. I don't want to say whose opinion, but I mean, the Victoria colleague was basically saying that regular people didn't really have the, I guess, the political knowledge mm-hmm. to select a, a president that actually would do or have the best interests of the country. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it's like uh, people are always like, oh, that's a flyover state, you know, like. What? What? But you have to think about it like this. Some states have to vote in the direction that the colleague, well, the electoral colleague in some states have to vote with the popular vote in other states. They don't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some do, some don't. Cause I know it's here. It's not right. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, man, it's, uh, it's interesting like hearing about all this stuff. Cause it makes you think about, you know, missed opportunities and, you know, what moving forward can be done. Right. And I think that's the thing is just like, you know, it just, like hearing it from a different point of view or, you know, actually listening to issues. And like I said, this year is not that bad, man. I think it, it's it's shaking up shit that need to be shaken up. Yeah. You definitely. know, so it's like we can't always look at like, you know, this is the worst year ever. It's like, no, maybe this is the dirt that makes the rose grow. Right. You know. Right. Like so, a do-over, a makeover. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we have to um, – just roll with the punches, man, and 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 figure out a solution instead of just crying about the problem. Right. You can't cry about a a wound that it, you got to you got to try to heal that wound. Right. You know. So, getting out there and voting and getting rid of these people that you don't want, and and like I said, I think, like I said, going back to that song, I think people need to know that it's not just the top tier that you have to worry about. It's the the two other ones on the bottom. Right. You know, a lot of other people making decisions that affect you when you're angry at somebody who will never make a decision that directly affects you. Yeah. It's kind of like we we keep on saying that we just need to go back and everyone needs to register to vote and vote. If you don't vote, don't bitch about who's running shit and who's not. Well, like I said, I, I think people need to realize that it's not just the president. I think that's what it's, it's ingrained in most of our heads that it's the president that makes all the decisions. Right. So it's like the thing that, you know, gives me is that, you know, I'm running for state representative. And it's like, you know, when I start talking about the community and stuff, I have people run up to me. You hate Donald Trump. You support Donald Trump. You support Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. That's and, all they that because right. he's Republican. Right. And, yeah. And, 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 I, and I, had to tell, I told this one lady, I had to give her an example. I said, first of all, imagine if you had a player and he was in the NCAA final four playing basketball. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was a, you know, he was a player with a little recognition or whatever. And right before the final four started, you ran up to him and you asked him like, who you got in the finals is magic Johnson going to beat Michael Jordan. And you asking a guy in the final four that's about to play in the final four, a bunch of questions about magic Jordan and Michael Johnson. He's like, Hey man, I got nothing to do. I'm in the final four. Yeah. I got a totally different set of issues and totally different set of problems and a totally different objective. And you mm-hmm. badgering me about the finals. That has nothing to do with my campaign. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? So, and she was like, okay, I get it. I mean, because state things that are going on on a state are totally different from what's going on on a federal level. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I, I guess it, it needs to be more widely shown, especially, I think people's records need to be shown too. Definitely. Like what they're, what they're doing and what not, they're not doing. The, yeah. The attendance record, how they're voting on. Cause like I said, the lady I'm going against, like, how do you get 3,800 votes when you don't even vote on issues or show up to legislation during the pandemic? Mm. That like, is, that, I'm sorry. That is, it's because it baffles me how there are so many people, all these people, so many of these elected officials are so absent from all these votes. Like on C-SPAN, you can see like when they're showing it, like who voted for what or yay or nay and then absent. And it's like sometimes like 50 people that didn't even come show up to vote. Yeah, I mean, if that's your job, I don't see why you get away with not doing your job. Yeah, that's crazy, you know. You know, because like I said, I mean, you got to best best way to equate it is, is like you wouldn't get away with the same shit at your own job, but you're right. going to have people that can affect your life not doing anything and still cashing checks, right? You know, like it's not fair. Like if you have to show up every day and take care of your shit. And then you vote this person in with good faith, hoping that they're going to actually help you out and they're not helping you out. Right. And they need to be gone. Right. Especially if they're 91 years old. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, I can't, get, I can't get over the fact of how old this lady is. You know, man. and it's nice to see young people that care about doing something. Cause it's like at a certain point, it's just like, how, how lucid is this lady at 91? I mean, I'm not trying to talk shit about the lady, but I mean, at 91, I mean, I don't know. It's like, what is it that you can do to help people? In, like, first of all, when you were supposed to be voting or in Nashville, you weren't even in Nashville dealing with the pandemic, but you're here running to get the seat again when you're elected to go vote and fix things in the community and you're not even going. Yeah. But you're here running. She don't want to give up that money, man. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, and that I'm sure at a certain point, if you've been always and you just think assume that you're no one's going to rock the boat right you know you just assume that you're going to be just coast in right well hopefully not this time (laughs) (laughs) you know definitely because we vote yeah gotta uh get out there and vote for rob white (laughs) november 4th november 3rd sorry november 3rd and, and you gotta keep getting away from this whole thing that just because you're black or whatever, or your family's always been Democrat or Republican, vice versa. You have to get out there and, and, and do what suits you best. Right. And, and what is good for your, your community. This is true. You know, cause it's like, like I said, it's just dumb to, I'm not gonna, you know, keep eating something just because those are my only two options or, you know, it's just like, you know, you gotta get out there and mix it up, man. You gotta, if something else is better, why not try that? Or, you know, at least at least look into it. Right. You know, that's the look thing. Look at the facts, right? Like, see why why have you been voting this way for the, as long as you know? Is it because your parents? Or is it because your wife or boyfriend or whatever, you know? Like, figure it out. Do you have anything that shows, like, your whole plan? Like, far as my platform? Yeah, it's like any work, anybody can go look at it. I don't have anything on me right now, but I can um, send something to you, uh, uh, give something to you or whatever. Okay. Yeah, because I think that we can post that and 
Do you have a website? Well, I actually don't have I don't have a website right now, but I do have some information I can pass to you. Okay, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, see, I think that would be beneficial. Like, 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 say, for instance, like a bio and some other yeah, stuff. Yeah, like yeah. Like I said, I mean, it, it just to me, it, I don't know. I I think just passing somebody by just because they've always been there, they've been there for twenty four years, is just ridiculous to me. Right. You know, and like I said, I think learning that, you know, those other those other branches are really important. Right. Instead of just this, this, this um, presidential election. Yeah. Do you have anything um, else for Rob? No. So, I mean, just kind of like, what would your, um, uh, go ahead. I forget what I was going to (laughs) ask. What would your advice for people? That's what I was going to ask. God damn it. Like just in general, you can give, okay, let me, let me give you two options. You can do one as just Rob white and then Rob white, the U S representative. Yeah. The future incumbent. Okay. My advice, my advice to people is this right here. Don't forget that people's perception is their reality and their reality is based off their own personal limitations and life's experiences. So the lens that the, that a person looks through basically dictates their behavior. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when it comes to cultural based diversity, you have to like step outside of the norm, step outside of the norm and really pay attention to detail. Because like you said, you can get stuck in a bubble based off of the lens you're looking through. Yeah. And paying attention to detail, you'll actually start seeing some things that might change that lens. Mm -hmm. But we have a natural inclination to view and judge based off our own personal limitations. Yeah. So in layman's terms, my advice is in a time like now, we have to be more detailed and we have to put forth a little bit more effort. We have to look at things from outside the box a little bit now. Okay. Because we can't just be like worker ants, just constantly going in our little bubble or whatever. We actually have to pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You have to be, uh, um, more versatile, I guess, is the thing. Like you right. can't just be alert, square peg in a square, you know, you know, square peg. There you go. I fit in this box. You know, it's like detail. you can't, you can't always just be one thing. That's just we're too complex as people to think like that. Right. You know, it's kind of sad that a lot of us do get pigeonholed into a certain thing, and that's the only thing. That's our whole identity. Definitely, lenses are powerful, and it's it's funny because you know once that lens change. Sometimes, you know, depending on circumstances, you have like an aha moment, like, man, I didn't believe that. I didn't see that. You know, it's right there all the time. But, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's crazy how like, you know, how much you can miss depending on what the lens you're looking through is. I guess I got, I got one more question for you. What would you do for the kids in these areas that you're um, like little kids, I say, like what kind of stuff like. What you do for them to help them understand that there's more to life than what they're currently seeing? Well, one thing you have to realize, going back to cultural based diversity, when you look at demographic areas, Mm -hmm. when you start planning events or planning to change the behavior of a child, you first have to take that demographic area in consideration. What are the norms? Because 
For example, if you're in an area like, say, Millington or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you might have a kid that, you know, he might learn how to shoot a rifle or go fishing at an early age or yeah. whatever, you know, because, you know, you're up in Millington, you know, fishing, you know, shooting rifles, you know, going hunting. Now you go to like South Memphis or like Westwood, you might have a kid that learns how to break in a car at an early age. Yeah. Or you might have a kid that he might be a straight A student, but he might have 10 brothers and sisters living in a two bedroom house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So depending on the, the circumstances, when you say like things for kids, you really have to take the demographics of what what's going on in that demographic area and kind of tailor it based off their influences because some kids, their mom, dad, mm-hmm. grandmother, and grandfather are all in gangs. Yeah. They're gang members, the gang culture. Mm-hmm. So when you start tailoring something to help a kid like that, you have to take in consideration that whatever it is can't go too far left or right from what his parents and grandparents are teaching them at home yeah. because immediately they're going to be snatched away. Mm. And that goes for like all demographic areas. So, I mean, when you start um, looking at different programs or different ways to help children in the community, it has to be a situation where you have to take in consideration what's going on in their life at that moment. And then from that point, you have to try to create a path into something. Now, I mean, I could give a, uh, I could give generic ideas of things that I could incorporate into the community. But one of the reasons I said that surveying the community is so important because once you survey the community, you'll see things like certain kids in certain areas might have certain abilities or whatever. They might be more prone to this than other kids. So when you start going through their surveying process, you might notice this one neighborhood, man, it's Seven kids is six, seven in this neighborhood. Why is everybody so tall? Yeah. So there might be some type of basketball camp you might put in that mm-hmm. area. But well, in this neighborhood, it might be in a bad area, but it might be a pocket where every kid in this cove has a 4.0. Yeah. So like they're all super smart. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you might introduce them to chess or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I I think that when you start introducing programs I think that it's hard to introduce a program from a distance. And this happens. People come up with ideas like, oh, this is it. But just like we know, even from the education system, people learn different. Some people are visual learners. Some touch. Some people have to listen. Some people have to read. Mm -hmm. People are so unique and so different. If you really want to help the community, you have to get close to the community. Yeah. You got to realize it's case by case. It's not cookie cutter. Right. Now, what you can do is that if you like I said, if you see that there is a large group that are, I guess, prone to something or they have a special ability, then you can maybe tailor something based off of the fact that, oh, I found this. I surveyed and I found it. Man, there's 20 kids and all of them are exceptionally good in English or exceptionally good in math. Mm hmm. And once when once and once you notice that these things are continually happening, well, you can put something in place for it. Yeah. But to just from a distance put something in place, the way kids learn and kids having very short attention spans, mm-hmm. you might end up wasting a lot of money and resources because they might not take to it. Yeah, that's true. You might get no participation. Yeah, that's true. Or you might get a lot of a, a, a negative, you know, resistance from a kid or whatever. I think it's too, it's like one of those things where I guess like you're saying, like not every kid's going to learn the same. Not every kid's going to want to go to college, but 
not giving up on that kid and, and trying to find what their passions are and, and what they possibly are good at. So they might be more of a, you know, a hands-on person. Right. Like they like, like you said, the skill, like a, a trade school type thing or whatever. But, well, like I say, like going back to what I original said now, when it deals with all children, now you can go in and make an education infrastructure change. Mm-hmm. Now, a major infrastructure change is, like I said, like say, for instance, you said, well, okay, what we're going to do is we do these skilled apprenticeship jobs. So if a kid completes this skilled apprenticeship job, he's going to work um, for a company 10th, 11th, 12th grade summer. Once he graduates, we're going to give him an associate's degree and he's going to have a job with a skill. Yeah. And basically, that's like an infrastructure change. Mm-hmm. So no matter what he does, you know, there's a lot of different jobs that you can have a skilled apprenticeship with. It's just the whole concept of skilled apprenticeship, graduate with associate's degree in a job. Yeah, that's an infrastructure change. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's not like really specific. That's just an infrastructure change in general to basically educate a group. Of people like in a, a specific area, you see, basically that like getting sense. the ball rolling. Yeah, right. you know, you gotta start. You, what they say, you um provide opportunity. Something. Well, no, it's like uh, they say you eat a horse like a bite at a time. You can't just. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, if you and when you look at it, if you think about it, like if I got a bunch of kids that graduate from high school, you know, they only have the ability to go so far. But if I start graduating large numbers of the smarter kids, mm-hmm. grad- graduating large numbers of smarter kids from high schools with associate's degree and skilled apprenticeships, now our 18-year-olds, basically, even if they have a little time to get it together, that extra two years, you know, that gives them more incentive to go ahead and get their bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. you know, but they're already in a skilled apprenticeship. So now when they're getting their bachelor's degree, they're getting education for supervisory positions. Yeah. Because they already have a job. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think this is good, man. Like, I I, I think it's like, uh, like I said, I really, I don't, I don't want to only say this, but I really think that it helps that you, you look like them. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's a big thing, man. Like if you see somebody like you doing something like they say, if if you see anybody looks like you doing something, you can do it too. Right. You know, there's hope. It's a comfort. He's a comfort to people that look like him, right? Well, it's just like a, there's a there's a possibility. You that's know, that's like what I'm saying. Said, that's it's what I'm like they were talking about the whole uh, Black Panther. Right. You know, like when, when that movie came out, it gave kids like some type of hope. Like, oh, I can yeah, do black, this kind black of stuff. Black superhero. Yeah, you know. So, like, if you see people like you doing well, it makes you hopefully want to do well, too. Definitely. True. You know. Definitely. And one of the one of the other things that I say is that like you know you know I'm a social media person I like social media and mm-hmm. I have all types of stuff on social media and you know like I've had like two or three not a lot of people somebody said like hey man you know what about all that old stuff on your social media why you didn't take it off well the thing is is that man you have to show transition in life mm-hmm. you have to show growth yeah so my thing is that yeah I mean I have some party pics and a few old things or whatever but. The fact that I'm running for public office and I used to be somebody a year ago and I was somebody else two years ago and somebody else three years ago, I'm giving a live template and a testimony encouraging people showing that, hey, a regular everyday citizen can grow and have a transition period in life where they go from, you know, hanging and working with the nightclubs Mm -hmm. on Beale Street or, you know, being an officer and just living a regular everyday life, just having a 
you know, decent, good life or whatever. But a person can actually make the transition and you don't have to be a unapproachable, uh, stiff person or, you know, a person that's looked at as high society that doesn't deal with the community because you're a politician or whatever. Yeah. I wanted to show people that you can make the transition. Yeah. It's like that whole, like, I remember when Bill Clinton, he's like, I, I inhaled. I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 I smoked, but I didn't inhale. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you, they, they have to put on these airs like they're, you know, a certain thing. I think Trump's kind of showed that you don't really have to do right. that. You know, like you, you don't have to be quote unquote presidential. He does what the fuck he wants. Yeah. <laughs> and then Grab it, about a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta think about you gotta think about like Zara too. Like with people, especially in the African American community, the first time they sense that you're not a real person, they mm-hmm. turn on you. Yeah. So one of the things is is that people people want representation that they can relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, people have to see you for being a person that's like them. Yeah. And like, I, I hate to go to like a, a Bible scripture or whatever, just that makes me think about it or whatever, just from the past or whatever. Like the Apostle Paul has said, I have to be all things to all men to get things accomplished. In layman's terms, he's saying, I have to be all things to all men mm-hmm. in order to achieve the goal of, you know, basically, um, what is it? Showing praise, I guess, to the glory of God. You know, I have to be all things to all men. So meaning that I have to be able to get on the level where I can talk to the postman. I have to be smart and talk to the attorney. Mm-hmm. Educated and talk to the doctor. If it's a gangbanger, I have to have enough knowledge where I can communicate with him. You know, if it's a prostitute standing right here, whoever it is or whatever it is, you like he said, you have to be all things to all men yeah. in order to get this accomplished for the glory of God. So being all things to all men. That makes sense. Yeah, is is basically you understand how to get a common ground to communicate with everybody. Mm-hmm. And right. in order to be an effective politician, you have to be a person that can establish a common ground with any constituent that has the right based off the our country and the constitution to vote. Yeah, you don't want to come off as like some some fuddy duddy like unapproachable. Yeah. Right. You know. And I think that's one of my strengths is the fact that you know, I'm a downtowner or whatever, and I'm a person that I move around and I'm approachable. And it's like people can get people can get to me. They can yeah. get access to me or whatever. Yeah, It's good, so, man. With that yeah. being said, I would I would be held accountable for any decision that I make because I have so much access to me. Mm-hmm. Which is a plus. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't understand why people put so much stock in social media too, like what you posted. Is like you said, as a person, you're always changing. If you're still the same person you were from five years ago, either you're perfect or you're a fucking loser. Because you should be growing as a person. Right. I didn't look at you, Raul, like calling you, you gotta, a loser. You gotta look at me right now. And you said my name. And you're looking at me. I mean, what the fuck? But I'm just saying, like, you know, because I get that all the time. People are like, why do you post that? You know, this one girl I stay, she's always like, date. You're not. You're that, That's not you. And I'm like, it is me if I posted it. Right. You know, obviously I found it amusing. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I, I think you're trying, you, you people put too much stock in, in, in that part of life. Right. Like you know, it's like, it. my action should be more important than what you see me posting. Right. Exactly. Doing. It's like, it's just a fucking meme. It's just on Facebook. It's not. And it's not like I created it. Somebody else created it. I just shared it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so obviously somebody else thinks like I do, you know? Right. Well, um, what is your advice for people? Hmm. My advice would be 
to if you if you want to do something, don't wait till tomorrow to do it. Do it today because, like you said earlier, you we may not be here tomorrow, right? So oh, yeah, I can do it tomorrow. Uh, just go ahead and do it today. So are you going to register to vote today? Uh, <laughs> I'll do it right now. <laughs> Rock the vote. What is the website called? <laughs> just, just log in the Instagram. It's on the top of the thing. All right. I think my thing would not be uh, advice for people, but it, I love this. Uh, it's a Tupac poem, and he talks about the rose that grew from concrete and how, like, you know, they that people don't think that something from something somewhere can be something beautiful. Right. And that's what I hope that comes from what you're doing with people is that people can see hope and they can realize that they can be more than their current situation and that they can get actual help from people outside that care about them instead of just the same old, same old who just want to just sit in that position and not do anything to help them out. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of roses that are just waiting to bud. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, so on November 3rd, Go out there and vote for Rob White. And um, no harm to the lady, but um, she's got to go, man. She's not she's not doing enough. She's not doing enough for a community. Because if you're a true Memphian and you care about Memphis, you want to see all pockets of Memphis do well. That's right. That's true. You know, so you can't just worry about your home, or your street, because there's other streets that are connected. We're all connected. Right. So we got to get out there and, and help every single person in Memphis and, and do something good with this life. Definitely. You know, this just, you, you got to stop this whole thing where we're not doing enough. We're just getting by and we're wasting time. You know, it's just like, like we, we like Raul was saying, you know, this is a, you're here for a short time. So that short time, you should do something better to make people's better lives better. And like I said, I mean, we I, are Memphis is a, is a hashtag and I don't think we're living that way. Not at all. Like to add on to what you're saying, it's like, Everything that you do or you associate with, when you leave it, you should leave it in a better position than when you started. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it may not affect you personally right up the bat, but it could, like I said, butterfly effect into something else. And maybe it affects somebody in your life later on because you didn't get out there and, and, and help the change. So, right. Yeah. I appreciate you doing it. Uh, do you have any socials that you want to plug or anything? Um. I mean, when you say socials, like uh, like Instagram, you have like a or a Facebook page. Oh yeah, man. You know, I got um, three Facebook pages. I got Rob White, I got Rob DRC White, and Rob White West Shelby County, and I have um, Rob White nine hundred one on Instagram. Okay. So you know, people send me friend requests. I accept everybody. <laughs> yeah, if you can send me all the links, I'll post them in the in the description on the podcast too, so everybody can just click on it from the podcast. Okay. But uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been yeah. good. I appreciate it. Very the educational. You know, we got to come back and do it again once you win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. And, and, and I talked to some other people, man, candidates, you know, to see if you had time to talk to some other people or whatever. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm all about learning something new. Like I said, I mean, it, it would be ignorant for me not to listen to somebody talk. Right. You know, you might learn I, I, yeah, I might learn something new or, you know, they can teach me something that I, I thought differently of or. You know, maybe something I think, you know, they'll they'll listen to that. So right. yeah, get well, different points of views on stuff too. Yeah. That's how you grow. I mean, just if you're only in the same circle all the time, it it becomes so it's just a circle. Right. You know? So gotta break the chain, man. Break that wheel. 
Definitely. All right. We love you lots. Bye. Bye.